Welcome to this episode of Inside Publishing, the series where we interview industry experts on everything publishing. Today we're talking to Anya, Sarah and Kaylee, who are all current publishing master students at Oxford Brooks. We'll be talking about the choice to study publishing, whether it's worth it financially, what the course covers and how to boss the application process in an increasingly competitive industry. So before we get started, it'd be great to hear a bit about each of your backgrounds, um, because you've not all followed the same route in studying your masters and you're not all based in the UK. Kaylee, you're from the US and Anya, you're from Ireland. So Anya, what were you doing before this and how did you end up at Brooks? Yes, so I'm originally from Belfast. I graduated from Queen's University in 2016 with an undergraduate in English Literature. Sort of went on a bit of a tangent and joined PwC, which felt like the sort of thing that we're all expected to do once we graduate is join join a big financial corporation. Realised I absolutely hated it and that it was killing my soul. And then I went to work for Blackwells in Belfast. And within two years, I became the shop manager and saw the bookshop through the launch of a relocation. Um, and it was, it was honestly going fantastic. And then Brexit happened and then COVID happened. And I'm sure as you all know, it's really impacted Blackwells and they had to close five stores across the UK and one of those was mine and just sort of took it as an opportunity to sort of say right I really love this field of work I love books I love engaging in stories but I had almost sort of maxed out as far as I could go in regards to book selling so realized I was kind of like okay let's let's change it up let's try instead of book selling book publishing and oh I hate to admit it I one of the reasons why I came to Oxford was was for love and and that that fell through terribly (laughs) um it yeah because it was kind of for me it was a bit of a toss-up between Edinburgh University and Brooks and I'm so glad that I went to Brooks instead because at the very least it's much warmer here than it is in Edinburgh yeah I think moving for love and for better weather make perfect sense to me What was your background, Sarah? Um, How come you ended up at Brooks? Um, So my background is a bit more straightforward. Um, So I studied history at Edinburgh University and I graduated. I was just about to start applying for jobs and publishing. And then the pandemic started and everything shut down. So I sort of panicked and um, applied because I didn't want to just sit at home and wait for when jobs started uh, opening up again. Um, I wanted to try and build some skills. So yeah, I like the sound of the Oxford Brooks course and came straight here. And Kaylee, what was your experience before this? What were you doing? I feel like I kind of have a weird background just in terms of everyone else I've seen on the publishing sort of media route. I'm so from the US, obviously. Uh, in my undergrad, I did political science in Arabic. Um, so very strong sort of social science background. But when I was an undergrad, I started working for a um, political science magazine. And I was editor in chief of just like an undergraduate magazine, but that's where I kind of fell in love with the editorial process. 
And I kind of realized that you could actually have a job in that sort of thing. So I worked for the government for a year and then I started exploring different options, um, applying to publishing houses and getting rejected, obviously, because I had no experience. Um, and then I found out about the publishing media program at Oxford Books. I wanted to do something international. So it seemed like the perfect fit for me. And I'm here today. Great. Thanks, Kaylee. That's really interesting. Um, and you've all kind of touched on some points there about um, what prompted you to kind of turn to a publishing master's, um, whether that was just not finding success with jobs um, or taking a new opportunity because it seemed like the right time to. Um, and it really does seem like going down this route is becoming increasingly popular at the moment just because the job market is so hard. But like, what was the thing about studying that really sold it for you? Um, I don't know if you want to start by taking this one, Anya. Yeah, so it's, you know, I really resonated with what Sarah was saying about, you know, lockdown happening and sort of not really seeing an end to it and knowing that there was mass unemployment happening across all sectors of, you know, the UK and seeing this as an opportunity to set aside some time that I might not have otherwise had to further my skill set and also just the level of networking that's available through Oxford Brooks. Um, they have some of the best connections in regards to um, the course itself. And we've definitely really availed of that this year, even though we haven't been able to do face-to-face -face meetings, having Zoom uh, lectures and guest speakers and people who are you know in the roles that you wanna be in in five, 10 years, being able to pick their brain and then having their email and being able to reach out to them later. It's kind of been the thing that's really sold it for me. And it would definitely be mm -hmm. the reason why I would recommend the course is that if you want to get into publishing, this is a great place to make those initial connections that really do set you apart when you're up against, you know, 700 other applicants. Sure, I think it's clear that making the right connections in this industry is so key. Kaylee, did you have a similar experience? Um, what kind of drove you to go to maybe Brooks specifically? Yeah, um, so for me, it was about the networking too. So I was sort of inspired to apply. I feel like we all sort of come from a culture where we feel like we have to go to school for something before we get a job in it, which I mean, for better or for worse. Um, so I was applying to publishing jobs generally in the U.S., and I wasn't getting anything, um, not even like rejection letters. And I mean, it, that made sense at the time because I had no experience and I couldn't really speak to publishing. But I would Google like events that are going on or ways to get in or just like if I could speak to anybody about it. And I just found that all those paths were pretty closed off to me. So it was when I looked into Brooks and I was like, oh, we get like reams of speakers who are actually in the industry and, you know, practicing what they've learned and you get to network with them. I mean, at the time, it was really exciting, too, because it was like, oh, the pandemic's going to be over, right? We can go to Bologna and Frankfurt um, and London and sort of network even on an international scale, which obviously didn't happen. But they've made up for it, I think, with Zoom events in, in the best way possible. So for me, it was about making those connections. And, you know, there's the academic aspect of it, but you sort of, at least for publishing, networking seems to be the, the biggest thing that everybody tells me that I need to be doing. So I found that out. A lot of publishers and people in publishing roles have graduated from Brooks and it just seemed the best way to sort of, for lack of a, a better phrase, get your foot in the door and start conversations with people. 
Yeah, I think that's what I noticed when I was looking at potentially doing a master's myself. It's through opportunities like book fairs and networking events. Um, you're introduced to the kind of culture of publishing, I guess, and you can actually start to build a network. Sarah, what were your kind of thoughts on that? Did you have a similar experience? I think it's definitely the same. Sort of looking at, I started following a lot of publishing people on Twitter and looking at the sort of networks that existed among them it was slightly terrifying suddenly thinking oh I have to I have to do this I have to start talking to people and get to know people in the same way so seeing the Brooks course and then seeing the opportunities for networking and for going to different like book events and festivals it was it seemed like a really good way of just getting a foot in the door and getting to know some people which I could then build on at try and find jobs and like build those connections yeah and it would be interesting to know how much the course has actually helped you find those connections I think perhaps another expectation of doing a publishing MA is that there's going to be things like opportunities for internships and work experience placements where you can actually further network and gain experience you know that you might not otherwise if you were doing it alone so I guess my next question is whether your course has offered those things things like internships um, I think a lot of people might be interested to know how they work exactly, whether it's part of the course um, and the university actually help you set them up or whether you have to be a little bit more proactive and independent about finding those opportunities yourself. Anya, maybe do you want to take this one and start us off? So I think a disclaimer I would almost put in is that we are a very bad example when it comes to your average year because, for mm -hmm. example... Brooks always volunteers out their MA students to the book fair in London and obviously that isn't happening this year so there's been a lot of opportunities that would naturally occur each year that would be exclusive to Brooks students that just aren't happening because of the pandemic. There was also year on year there's always a internship with a I think it's a journals publishing house in Switzerland and it's an amazing opportunity I mean you go over there for like three months you get paid you get your accommodation paid for you get your flights paid for and obviously that wasn't available to us this year because of the pandemic so I would say in if we were in the normal world right now it would be there would be a lot more opportunities for Brooks students. Yeah, thank you so much for raising that actually, Anya. Because um, I think it is really important to point out that obviously, I mean, at the time of recording this, let's be honest, it's not going to be the most accurate representation of things. But at the same time, it's great to hear that ordinarily there are opportunities and really exciting ones by the sounds of things too. So thank you so much for pointing that out. Sarah, is there anything else you'd like to add there? Have you found that the university has maybe supported you in other ways during this time when there's not the same opportunities or have you have you found anything different? Uh, yeah, so as far as I've seen, it's not something that the university has formally set up where there will be this many work experience placements per year. But uh, the lecturers have a lot of contacts themselves and I found that really useful. So I've just started an internship and I got that because one of our lecturers knows a, someone who owns a publisher and so the publisher exclusively advertised through Brooks so I wouldn't have I probably wouldn't have heard of it if it hadn't been for 
lecturers sharing the uh, job advert and probably with the huge competition I wouldn't have got the internship that I have um, so I found it really valuable just the lecture connections and them being able to tell us things that we probably would never hear about on our own. Of course and that's brilliant to hear that you did actually find an internship through the course. I guess uh, just on that note like how have you found doing your usual studies alongside having an internship? Um, has the university been quite accommodating for that and how have you kind of like managed your time between the two? That must be quite quite a lot of work on your plate. I was quite lucky I started the internship during the Easter holidays so that gave me two weeks to try and get ahead of all of my assignments just because I'd be losing two days a week for the rest of the semester. But generally our lecturers are really understanding. They get that the course is important, but also it's all of the different experience that we can get through the course rather than just all of the lectures and assignments. So everyone is really understanding that we do need a bit of extra time just to be able to go out and get this experience and so yeah we might maybe miss a lecture sometimes because we've got something else that we need to do and everyone's really willing to help out. That's great thanks Sarah do you have anything else to add Kaylee? um just whilst we're on a topic of job opportunities has anything come up for you? Yeah so I mean what Anya said is pretty true it's been it's been pretty dry I mean like especially like the first um semester there was almost nothing um, in terms of internships, but it's recently been opening up a lot. And I do think that's because the pandemic is ending in theory. But no, the university, like Sarah was saying, there was no formal sort of system that the university itself would offer us internships. But one of our um, instructors sends out a weekly, she's one of the course coordinators too, I believe. She sends out weekly newsletters with, you know, loads of freelance jobs, um, internships, or like work experience gigs. So there's been sort of a steady stream of stuff to apply to, which has been pretty nice. I managed to find something, I managed to find a part-time job with a writer's club, which has been really helpful. It's been a good use of my skills, I think, sort of advising upcoming writers and stuff now that I have more experience in the industry. And, you know, I've gotten the confidence from the course because I would otherwise not feel comfortable advising anybody at all about what to do or what publisher to take their manuscript to or how to find an agent or what translation rights look like. But I feel really confident to just kind of off the cuff give that advice to people, which is really nice. But it's it's been a struggle, I think. It's, it's the thing that people worry about the most with publishing is finding that work experience to get that job. Even though a lot of jobs say you don't need experience, I haven't found that to be true because they always hire a person with experience. Um, so a lot of us are really concerned about that. And I'm, I'm hoping it's just a pandemic thing. I hope that it continues to open up for people as much as, as the course does to help us. It is still, you know, a pretty daunting task. So we heard about kind of what opportunities come with doing the masters, um, but should we actually like drill down and talk about what the masters actually involves? Like, what do you actually do on a publishing masters? I think if I was looking into it, I would want to know like what modules are available to me, what parts of the industry I'm going to learn about, um, and how can I actually go into it and explore the interests and areas that I'm I'm interested in. So maybe Sarah, do you want to kind of start us off and let us know a little bit about what the course looks like for you? 
Uh, yeah, so in the first semester, we all have to do three compulsory modules. So one in editorial, one in marketing and one in design and production. So that's just a basic overview of like the main different areas. In the second semester, you get much more choice. So I chose to do uh, a module on storytelling, a module looking at fiction and non-fiction, and then a module on digital strategies, which I think I quite like the trade side. So I didn't want to go into academic or anything. I wanted to look at more specifically how stories are told through trade and commercial publishing. Um, and I really enjoyed the opportunity to go far more into detail so especially with fiction and non-fiction we used all of the different areas that we'd learned about in semester one and we put them all into our final project and it's great to just feel more confident in how in everything we've learned in all these different areas and actually be able to apply it which is really nice having such practical things and then being able to choose the different courses that we're all interested in and actually use the skills that we've gained. Yeah, I agree that that real life application is so important. Do you have any examples of like things that you've worked on or projects that you've done? So all of our assignments are really practical. So um, for design and production, we had to design and style a full book. For editorial, we wrote a commissioning report. For the fiction, non-fiction, what I'm doing now, we're writing um, a report proposing a new imprint for a publisher. So it's really practical and things that we might have to do once we get jobs in publishing but I've also just started an internship and I am using quite a lot of the editorial and marketing skills that I've learned in this job and it's really nice to see that actually now I do know what I'm doing. Sure yeah I think that's uh, that's really great and it sounds like yeah there's a lot of opportunities to not only put things into practice but also explore kind of different departments by the sounds of things and I think that to me is kind of one of the key things um, about why someone might be interested in studying publishing sort of getting a broad view of the different publishing processes. Kaylee is that something you found as well you kind of get a broad spectrum what kind of modules have you taken up? Yeah definitely I think that's that's why that's what drew me to the course was that you know you sort of enter into publishing thinking that you just want to be an editor and you get a really broad perspective once you're on the course there's so many other positions I mean I never even considered marketing until I enjoyed my marketing class I was really surprised by that um and also like you know learning about rights management and that sort of thing um so I think that's one of the most beneficial things about the course is kind of just opening up your horizons in terms of employability and seeing that, you know, there's a lot more going on in the industry than maybe I initially had thought. As for like selecting modules, one thing that I found really nice about our course in particular is that you could sit in on modules. And that was kind of one of the benefits of being remote. So you can just, you know, click into a lecture and sit in on it and listen and absorb the information or even just register for it and just be able to watch I mean you know without having to do the assignment just being able to watch the recordings back as as they sort of applied to your interests which was really nice so I took fiction nonfiction, brand publishing which is a um, magazine publishing course they just sort of rebranded it and then I took um, international rights but I also sat in on academic because I couldn't make up my mind um, and there's probably loads of other modules that I could have benefited from. But no, I think for me, I got I got so much out of it and I tried to get a good, pretty good spread. So I tried to do trade 
and academic because I'm a little interested in both. And it all just kind of, you know, fell into place in that, like I was able to map out a sort of career that I could construct out of all of these paths, which is really nice. It's just a matter of getting that said career. <laughs> um, but no, I have found that we've we've had a lot of sort of practical applications um, that we can use. Like we've been learning how to price a book or what goes into producing a book. Um, a lot of what I found important is kind of learning the financial structure of publishing houses because you you really don't think about that looking in from the outside. Um, so kind of learning those usually pretty harsh economic realities and kind of structuring imprints around them or, you know, even just the production of one book within an assignment has been really eye-opening and sort of humbling in the sense that you sort of know how it all works behind the scenes. Anya, what would you say you've got out of your modules? So for me, it's being able to walk away with really new skill sets um, that are always mentioned on job descriptions for publishing. Um, Time and time again, you see coming up experience with InDesign and Photoshop and Adobe XD, which are all kind of software that I would have never had any understanding of and wouldn't even know where to begin to wrap my head around. But with our production and design in the first semester, we, as as Sarah said, we went through the production of a book. So now I'm able to apply for roles and say, yep, I know InDesign like the back of my hand. I know how to do all these things. I know how to use Photoshop. I know how to use um, Adobe XD. And then we've also had a real in-depth um, learning into proofreading and copy editing and again that was one of those things I kept seeing coming up in job descriptions and I didn't really know what that meant exactly. I I also definitely didn't know the difference between what a proofreader and a copy editor was and Mm. that was one of the very very first skill sets that we were taught at Brooks and now I feel like I could very very confidently sit down with a manuscript and go through and edit it and proofread it to a really, really high standard. And in addition to the modules, what I have found really interesting is the extracurricular sort of talks and lessons and learning that they have provided us. So for example, we've learned the very key basics of how to set up a website, which is great because it means that you're able to set up a website and then also use the skill set that you've learned through InDesign and build a portfolio, a digital portfolio online, which is such a great thing to be able to hand an employer and say, if you want to see my work, this is where it is. Um, we've also learned even just the key basics of how to manage your time better and to, you know, how to make yourself a brand so that you stand out during employ, you know, during recruitment. And it's been those kind of things that I didn't realize the course offered that have really added value to my overall experience. Like, I feel like I'm walking away within just a master's qualification. I have such a better understanding of how to almost, for want of a better phrase, like to get in there and network efficiently, um, 
because it definitely is in order to get like a good job and to maintain a career in publishing it is more than just getting a master's certificate you need to kind of have the the skill set and the confidence and the understanding and the acumen to back it up. Saying all this though I think or I imagine what a lot of people are probably thinking when it comes to doing a publishing master's is the amount of money I'm paying. I think on average it's about nine grand in the UK to do a publishing master's and it would be really nice to kind of just touch on the matter of money for a second. I mean Kaylee, what's your experience been like as an international student? Too many questions surrounding it for me to give one answer but it's definitely had value for me um as for the financial investment so I'm from the U.S. and the way that it works for um students who aren't from um the U.K. and I think not from the EU I'm not sure what EU students pay more after Brexit but I essentially have to pay uh double tuition so um tuition is I think it's like 17k I pay you know double that, um, which sounds like a lot to people in the UK. Um, but in the US, it's it's not insane. So I was looking at um, programs, some of the best publishing programs in the US are obviously in New York City. Um, and NYU, New York University has one of the best programs in the States. And I was just doing some exploring and sort of comparing the prices. And um, so Brooks is essentially 30,000 US dollars. If I, if I convert it properly, um, but in the States to go to New York university, it's upwards of $60,000. Not only is, um, Brooks only one year, um, but programs in the U S are two years. So you're looking at sort of the tuition, double the time, um, which really wasn't something I felt like I could invest, especially with having to live in New York city, which is insanely expensive as well. Not that Oxford is cheap, but, um, it was, it was too much of a commitment in terms of doing it in the U.S. So I, I looked into doing it at Brooks. And for me, it was a better option because I'm really interested in the international aspects of publishing. And to me, it was valuable if I went abroad and, you know, showed that I sort of understood markets internationally and in Europe and, you know, in the U.K. and that sort of thing. So for me, it made sense um, as an American who, you know, we're all used to sort of pumping our money away into loans, it was actually relatively affordable considering, you know, comparatively the costs in the United States. Not that it was a, it's a good, it's a good thing, you know, not that, you know, coming here is cheaper. There's nothing, there's nothing good about that. It's just quite sad about our system in the United States, but um, it was a good option for me. And I think that despite the fact that people are paying less, I feel like it's been a good deal. And I've, I've, you know, develop those skills that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I really don't think I would have gotten this position if I wasn't in publishing. Um, and I wouldn't have as much mobility as I feel I do now if I didn't do it. From what I can see, there's there's not a lot about that out there. So thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, and there, if I could just say too, um, one rather frustrating thing, mm. and I didn't mention this when I was talking about the internships, but one frustrating thing is, and obviously there's not much people can do to control this, but one of the setbacks for me has been that I'm not allowed legally to work full time. Um, and this is because of my student visa. So it has definitely been a challenge because I've seen so many like amazing internship work experience and even part-time job opportunities or full-time job opportunities go up. And I, I desperately want to apply to them. But for the time being, since I'm a student, I, I can only work part-time. So that has been a struggle. 
um, sort of trying to figure out, you know, how can I patch together, you know, some money out of this and some experience out of this without breaking the law? That's definitely <laughs> been a fun sort of thing to navigate, if, if that's a word I could use for it. Thanks, Kaylee. Anya, what about you? You were obviously working full time before this. So had that kind of allowed you time to prepare? Um, what's your experience been with the money side of things, if, if you're happy to share? So for me, I was quite fortunate in that I, I was working quite a nice job before the pandemic hit. And I had put aside quite a lot of savings which I had originally intended to be the deposit for a house. So when the pandemic hit and when I lost my job and when I was reevaluating what my next move was, I knew that I would be able to financially support myself during a master's in Oxford for at least nine months um, without you know, having to take out student loans or anything like that. And I'm aware that that's a very, very, very fortunate situation to be in. But what I would say is if I had known that the pandemic was going to continue for as long as it has, I definitely would have stayed in Belfast because rent in Oxford is just, it's just really, really difficult um, to justify at times. And I mean... I came from living in Belfast, living in the city centre, um, right beside the Titanic Quarter in a penthouse apartment that was absolutely huge for about £300 a month to paying for, you know, a small, still nice. I mean, like me and Kaylee live together. We, you know, we have it looking cute, but it's <laughs> it's still small and it's very, um, it's a humble house. And we have to pay, you know, about six fifty each each month. And in addition to that, we weren't eligible for monthly payments, so we had to pay six months rent up front, which is obviously a huge financial nuclear bomb to happen in your bank account. Um and again I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have those savings set aside. So there's a part of me that still doesn't know if this has been worth it financially because I look at where my savings were when I started and I look at where they are now and I think about how long it's going to take me to save that back up and I I don't know. I think as well, you know, there was quite a call from students to the government for a tuition reduction due to COVID and due to the sort of lack of quality so to speak of the education that we were paying for which obviously went unheard um and i think that would have been a nice you know bomb to the wound um but that being said i have learned so much from this course and there i'm going away with so much more knowledge than i could have ever expected and so much more of a better understanding of the publishing industry so come back to me in three months. If I'm graduating with a job, you know, and I'm at least making like 21K, I'll say, do you know what? It's probably, it's yeah, I could justify the price. But right now, still being unemployed, hemorrhaging money, I don't know if it's worth it. 
Thanks. And yeah, I think you're right. I mean, who, how many years someone's going to have to work in the industry, um, what they've put into studying. Um, yeah. And that's definitely something you have to consider. I would just add as well there that um, I come from a very working class background and Oxford is a place where, you know, there's no other way around it. You need to have a parent that is very financially well off in regards to what they're making a year in order to have a guarantor which is again why Kelly and I had to pay mm-hmm. six months rent up front because it was either that option or have a guarantor that was making I think it was at least £45,000 a year um, which coming from West Belfast is just that's not something that's ever going to happen um, and you know, there is that little bit of me that sort of feels again like these sort of universities and courses um, are, you know, they disadvantage those who are coming from a less financially well-off background. So I would definitely um, highlight that, that that is something that you really need to take into consideration when you are looking to move to Oxford or London or any of those places that has quite steep rent. I would also just say that's the same if you're looking to move to those cities for just like finding a job in the industry in general. Um, I mean, my experience is that, you know, things like council tax, just like finding somewhere that's suitable and affordable in the city um, is incredibly difficult to come by. So I'd just say do your research. Sarah, did you find something similar? I have been so lucky because up in Scotland, you don't have to pay tuition fees. So I haven't had to pay any tuition or get loans for tuition for the past four years so coming down here I felt like it was an investment I'd make because I haven't already built up all that debt from my undergraduate yeah rent and everything has been really expensive and I again I'm lucky because I got really cheap rent for three years up in Edinburgh and I worked two jobs for most of my most of the last few years of my undergrad So I've saved up enough to mostly support myself um, moving down here. But then today I got my first paycheck in from uh, working and it was just such a relief to have that. I didn't realise how stressful it's been worrying about the cost of rent and everything and just suddenly actually earning money is amazing. Um, One main comforting thing is during one of our networking events, um, someone told me that she did this course and even though it wasn't a huge help when she started working at an entry-level job, as soon as she was trying to get promoted, all of the skills that she'd learned here suddenly came really in handy because she was suddenly about to start doing a lot of the things that she'd actually learned how to do. So she was working in editorial and they were asking her about commissioning reports and she'd done one. So even if this course isn't maybe perfectly suited for the skills you need for entry-level jobs, it will keep helping you once you're in. And I think that's going to be really helpful and I hope that it's going to be a long-term investment. So once you decided that a publishing master's was the thing you wanted to do, um, what then does the application process actually look like? Are there interview involves? Um, how was actually writing your personal statements? Kaylee, being based in the US, what was that like for you? 
So, um, I mean, as for the personal statement, I was actually, I had fun with hers. It sounds like I was quite boring with mine. Um, <laughs> so I was, uh, I, I sort of focused on my social science background and I was talking a lot about academic publishing um, because I had been, I had been so unsuccessful um, when I applied to publishing jobs, when I was like really passionate, I always found, found that they would just like stonewall me. Um, and when I would talk about books that I liked, um, I don't know how often that is the case with people, but that was just my experience. So I tried to be really straightforward and sort of just give concrete examples from like my undergrad experience, what with like, you know, being a part of a magazine and getting that experience, the editorial process and sort of trying to lay down some skills that I already had, but talk more so about skills that I wanted to build and why sort of the program was going to help me do that. I think that was an important part of writing the personal statement. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty painful process. I, I wouldn't like to do it again. Um, but I think it's about being honest and professional um, in sort of the same way. So it's a sort of fun balancing act. Uh, as for the interview process, so I had talked to members of the staff, just sort of trying to suss them out um, when I was applying, you know, trying to figure out what these programs were and really make sure I was applying to the right thing. I didn't have an interview for Brooks, but if I remember correctly, I think City University London, I forget what it was called, but there was a university in London that did an interview, like a formal interview process. So the interview process is definitely not dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, applying from the U.S., it, it really wasn't that challenging. I felt like the staff at Brooks was really welcoming to any questions I had. So I found, I mean, that's why I ended up going with them, because they were more than willing to, you know, have a conversation with me, which was really nice, especially because I was making a huge financial investment. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't say that there's too many. The application process is easy when you're doing it from the U.S., but it's more so when you get accepted, that's when the hard part starts and Lisa and getting your financial aid all together. Yeah, definitely. And I guess that's something um, us based in the UK don't usually have to consider so much. Um, obviously. Yeah, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Yeah, exactly. Anya, how did you find doing your personal statement? Was it kind of an opportunity to show what you're passionate about and kind of what your niche is? Yeah, so I think my the thing for me was I was coming from a background where I had worked a nine to five job for the past three or four years. Whereas, as you said, Rosie, you're kind of almost just speaking from the heart. You're speaking about (laughs) your passion and that kind of thing. And I remember saying how, you know, I love being the creative sounding board for my friends. And my sister's currently doing her creative um, degree in drama and I work for her. And it almost it sounded very like self-indulgent and very... There was like a level of romanticism to it that I wasn't really used to, especially as well coming from kind of a corporate career background um, mm-hmm. where everything's very analytical. There isn't a lot of flamboyant writing. So that was that was interesting. And that was definitely a challenge for me, um, especially because I'm super critical of my own creative <laughs> writing. So because of because a personal statement is a level of creative writing and there isn't really a template, so to speak, in the same way that there is a template for your CV and your cover letter and things like that. It was a bit difficult to make sure that I was hitting the right kind of points that I needed to make in order to make a compelling argument as to why I needed to 
be accepted into the course. Sarah, I guess you were obviously applying kind of in the middle of the pandemic and that was something you were very conscious about. Um, did you feel like there was going to be an especially competitive nature to the application? Um because there were so many people kind of turning to this when there weren't the jobs available at the time. Um, and how did you kind of approach that? I definitely felt like it was going to be competitive, um, especially publishing itself is a really competitive industry. So I was a bit worried that a lot of people would be in the same boat as me and they wouldn't, jobs wouldn't be open anymore. And so people would just go and try and do a master's. So I felt like I had to really work hard on my personal statement and on my application to make it like as perfect as it could be and really push why I should be the person they choose for uh, this course, um, which obviously worked, which is nice. Um, so yeah, similar to Kaylee, I just sort of promoted all of the different creative things that I'd done and tried to emphasise not just the skills that I had, but all of the different areas I wanted to learn about and what I thought I could get out of the course and not just what I was already bringing in. Right, because surely they want students that are going to demonstrate that curiosity. I guess that's something that you're going to show in your dissertations or your final major projects, presumably. For anyone interested in that side of the course, um, could you maybe tell us a little bit about what that looks like, what you have to do, um, and also maybe share what you're doing your dissertations on? So... My dissertation topic is on the emergence of the genre new adult, which has kind of come about in the past 10 years or so. And I'm sort of examining, is it a viable genre? Is it a subgenre of young adults? Um, and all of the connotations behind it. And what I thought was really interesting about our dissertation module is that we have the option to either write I think it's a 15,000 words dissertation as would sort of be the norm or you can create an artifact and have about a 5,000 word report along with it which means then that people who want to focus more on digital elements or want to create something at the end are able to do that it means they're not necess we're not necessarily constrained to just a written dissertation and again it's one of those things that is great because you can then add it to your portfolio when you go to employers it's something that you can present and also what I really enjoyed is that there was no limitations as to what we could write about so I was kind of worried with my dissertation in particular because the genre of new adult is very subversive in that it's not something that is recognized by official publishing houses but it is something that's recognized through reader communities online and I was worried that it would be a bit too non-conventional for a dissertation I was worried that they were going to come back and say no this isn't right these aren't what this isn't what publishers are doing you're gonna to have to write something else but I was always encouraged and every time I speak to my dissertation advisor since then I just get more and more excited to write about it and you're you're really really encouraged to to find something that you're passionate about um and find a way to write about it in an engaging way or a new way because obviously with a lot of 
dissertation topics in publishing. I mean, the book has been the books for thousands of years, so it's it's hard to try and find new angles to write about these things. Kaylee, are you working on your dissertation at the moment? Um, what does yours look like? Um, I was. Uh, it's the it's the last week of the semester though, and assignments are due, and I'm working, so it's been put on hold. But hopefully, I will um, be able to focus more on it <laughs> in the upcoming weeks. But um, no, I was really excited. I mean, I agree with what Anya said. I have this sort of excitement towards writing something that I've never really had before. And in some ways, like, I feel like I'm, I'm cheating almost. It <laughs> sort of feels wrong. Um, so I chose um, to do the uh, market. So since I studied Arabic, the market for Arabic literature and translation um, in the UK. So kind of looking at how low that number is and why that reason is and what, what the problems are in terms of the translation process, you know, where the roadblocks are and if a market really exists. So I've just been, I mean, essentially using this project to interview, you know, translators and publishers um, and agents that I really love. So that, that's why it feels like cheating because I'm like, I'm talking to all these cool people. How is this, how is this actually work? Like, I feel like that's not allowed, but no, it's been, it's been also like a great way to not work with people in a weird way. Um, and just really sort of geek out over something I like. I think that's a good thing that, you know, I'm sort of like juggling all these projects, but it'll be nice when summer comes around. Um, I chose to do the dissertation. I thought I was going to make, um, some sort of project, but I sort of think I'm a better writer than I am a creative in the sense that like I'd make a digital artifact or something and like Anya said you know I might think otherwise in three months when I'm writing the the thing up and putting the finishing touches on it but I'm excited now and I feel like I do have a good support system you know my dissertation advisor has been lovely just connecting me to all these people you know, almost too helpful in a sense that I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. But it's it's really great having that support and having somebody who's also passionate about your project. Absolutely. That's so that sounds so interesting. Um, and it's great that they can actually put you in touch with people as well. I guess that's something you might not consider when you're um, thinking about a master's in publishing yeah. in really kind of niche areas um, mm -hmm. in your example. Yeah, it opens a lot of doors for you. Like when you say, hey, I'm doing a you know, a master's thesis, can you talk to me for 45 minutes? And you get those conversations that you wouldn't get otherwise. These all sound so great. Um, Sarah, I'm really interested to hear what yours is now. So mine is, I'm looking at emotional labour in publishing and its impact on employee diversity, which I expect is going to be quite critical of the publishing industry as a whole. So it's really great that my lecturers are fully okay with that and my supervisor is really enthusiastic and keeps pushing, oh, you could look at this area, it's really bad here. And yeah, it's it's quite nice just to have that support ended in all of these different areas that I'm wanting to look at. Um, so this is going to be a, a little bit of a plug, but I'm going to be posting surveys hopefully soon on the Publishing Hopefuls Facebook page and I would just love to hear from as many people as possible and different levels and it's really exciting to be able to find out so many different people's experiences of the publishing industry and sort of challenge the romantic ideal of publishing that a lot of people I know I definitely had that when I first started to think about it as a career and it's really interesting to be able to challenge that and hopefully be able to 
maybe make a difference. So for my final question, I'm interested to know what's been your highlight of the course so far. After a pretty weird year, has there been anything especially stand out for you? I think, well, it's kind of been a boring year, uh, but it's what we make of it. So for me, I think my favorite sort of experience on the course itself has been um, in my fiction, nonfiction course, we were tasked with essentially for our final project, we had to come up with our own imprint and sort of, you know, visualize like what the market is for it, what the, what the idea is, what kind of books we would produce, um, and then the financials, which was tough. But um, that was just sort of like a, a dream project, which I really, really enjoyed. It was fun to just kind of, you know, because we have all these opinions and, and I feel like a lot of the time in publishing, we're always talking about, oh, how are we going to get into publishing? You know, how are we going to make our CV? How are we going to write our cover letter? But it was really fun to be like, okay, this is what I want to do with publishing. These are the kinds of books that I want to publish. Um, this is kind of the ethos I want to establish. So that was really, really fun for me and in, in being able to actually kind of envision something. Even though, you know, we're not necessarily creating it, we're laying this sort of framework for it to potentially exist in the future. And that was kind of the most active I've ever been in, in publishing itself and just kind of imagining myself in that space. So for me, that project was my favorite thing just because it was so active. And so, you know, I mean, I don't want to be corny and be like, oh, you know, you got to, you know, envision your own dream press, but that's essentially what it was, what it was, you know, it was a little bit of daydreaming. So, you know, with the finances included and sort of the reality aspect of it, but it was a great <laughs> skill to develop and it was, you know, really enjoyable to work with a partner who was interested in the same thing. So for me, that was definitely the high submitting. That was the high. Oh, that sounds amazing. I'm sure a lot of us would love to dream up our own imprint. That sounds so cool. Sarah, what about you? What was your highlight of the course so far? My highlight, to be honest, was this morning for one of my projects, we, um, well, for digital strategy, we had to come up with a digital product to pitch to an educational publisher. So we came up with the full business plan and made a prototype. And then this morning, um, as a group, we sat in front of three people three people from Pearson and gave them our idea and told them how we'd solve a problem that they've been facing. And so it was just like sitting there on Zoom, answering their questions, telling them our business plan and having this whole product that we came up with. And it's something that I never thought I would be able to do. But yeah, just being able to sort of face down three industry professionals and tell them about something that we think they should use that's really impressive um wow yeah I, I can't imagine as many opportunities where you get to do something like that um great thank you Sarah um and finally Anya is is there any kind of highlights or best moments that you'd like to share so Kelly Kelly actually used a term earlier on where she said geek out and for me that's been the best part of our experience because I'm my genre of choice is science fiction fantasy and before coming to Brooks, if someone asked me what I like to read, I would always be like, oh, you know, just just stuff. Because I felt like it wasn't a genre that was as as seriously taken as the likes of, you know, um, literary fiction or poetry or things like that. Whereas now I'm able to sit with people 
and say, oh yeah, my dream would be to run my own imprint that would be science fiction fantasy, real badass women narratives with loads of magic and like, you know, dragons. And I'm able to just geek <coughs> out and just really be so passionate. And that is seen as a good thing. And you're encouraged to do that. And you're encouraged to just take what you love and run with it. And although it isn't like a specific experience that I've had, it's something that has continued through um, the entire course. And it was something, as Kaylee mentioned, the fiction nonfiction project. I obviously did my imprint science fiction fantasy specifically on underrepresented um, authors because I was like, I, I want to hear all these awesome science fiction fantasy badass authors who are going to write like LGBT sword wielding priestesses and no one ever told me that that was you know lame or nerdy it was never met with negative connotations and that's been a really nice refreshing aspect of the course well we'll watch the space for the next badass science fiction fantasy imprint <laughs> um finally before we wrap this up um is there anything else that you'd like to say to people interested in going into a publishing master's right now um is there anything that you would have liked to been told when you were applying or um thinking about it at the time i guess for me it's it's to just not be afraid to reach out to people um that's definitely like when i started applying to jobs without any sort of industry experience, without any knowledge of the publishing world is like find people on Twitter, find people's bios on websites, get their email addresses and pick their brains if you can. I mean, the, honestly, the worst thing that people can say to you is no, and then they'll forget about you. Um, so that would have definitely helped me. I think it's just nagging people essentially until somebody gives me good advice before I make any big decisions, but I can't say that I've made any any crazy decisions that have ruined my life here yet. But um, I think I think that's an important thing to know. Everybody's pretty friendly in the industry and realizing that once you sort of get into it, it's sort of like, oh gosh, I could have been getting so much free information before this. A piece of advice that I would give is that if you're at, if you have a guest lecture coming in to speak to you, always ask a question at the end. And don't be afraid to ask the really controversial questions. I kind of made it my mission to ask the cheeky question, the one that was a little bit, oh, that's, you know, you're mm -hmm. asking them maybe, you're maybe calling them out on something that their publishing house has done before and now they're trying to backtrack on it or something like that because you will be remembered. And I speak from experience. I asked a cheeky question to one of our guest lecturers. She answered it perfectly well and, she, you know, she wasn't offended at all. And it resulted in me getting an interview because I was able to tweet her and say, remember me, I asked that cheeky question. I've just applied to this role for your publishing house. Please keep an eye out for me. Um, because sometimes, you know, that's actually the best way to stand out is being able to not be afraid to challenge the norms and cha challenge the narrative that publishing is currently feeding us. Love that. And Sarah, have you got any final thoughts? Uh, one thing I would say is, and this is directly quoting a guest lecturer we had, is everyone in publishing has imposter syndrome. Everyone has that point where they feel stressed and like they maybe don't belong or like 
they aren't qualified for the job they have. And so just remember, you're bringing, everyone brings something. Everyone has experiences which they can bring, which no one else can. So just because you don't have these skills or you feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't apply for this master's or this job because I just, I wouldn't fit in. You will. There's always something you have that no one else does. Just sneak in one last bit of advice. And it's not even my advice. It's our fantastic, (laughs) wonderful lecturer, forward slash author, Sarah Franklin. Every time someone is freaking out about not getting a job or how hard it is to get into the industry, she always says the same thing. You only need one job. You only need one job to get into the industry. And then from there, it is so much more easier to move across sectors, to move across publishing houses. And that is something, anytime I get a rejection letter back, that's always the one thing that I keep in my head is that I only need one job to get in and then I'm in and then they can't get rid of me. (laughs) That's it. Um, I think she's totally right. Once you're in, you're in. That's a lovely place to end on. So thank you so much. And thank you all for being so full of insight and advice. I think there's been a lot here to help people make sense for master's programmes. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, You've all been wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside Publishing. I've been Rosie Webster, and that was Anya Feeney, Sarah Shaw, and Kaylee Kilner from Oxford Brooks. For more episodes like this, don't forget to subscribe.